Welcome to the first episode of Falk Sports Talk. On today's episode, we will talk some Thursday night football, what happened in the first matchup of Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. I'll preview the college football slate for this weekend. I'll touch on some playoff basketball. We'll talk some NFL. I'll reveal my top 10 teams entering week two, and we'll get to my parlay of the week. So welcome to the pod. Fox Sports. All right, let's talk some college football. The big story is the Big Ten is back, but not quite yet. They announced the start of their season is going to be October 24th, the weekend of. The details they released so far is that it's going to be an eight-game conference schedule with a December 19th championship. Something actually really cool that they're doing is on championship weekend, they're going to seed all the teams based on their records during the season and match them all up. And we're going to have like a whole Big Ten almost champion tournament field of the weekend. With that said, they haven't released a schedule yet, so we don't know who's playing who when yet. This all brings up a lot of questions regarding the college football playoff. Like, can they make the playoffs with eight games played? If a team gets hit with a bunch of positive tests and misses a game or two, how does that work with the playoff seeding? Like, how are you, how do you compare Ohio State with seven games played, Penn State with eight games played, and then maybe, like, Clemson with six games played if they get hit by tests? So how do you weigh the amount of games played compared to the winning percentage and resume of teams? you got to think they have to come out with some benchmarks in order to qualify for the playoffs, but they haven't yet. Like, maybe a minimum amount of games played, at least, to make the playoffs. What makes it worse right now is that the college football executive director, Bill Hancock, isn't giving us anything to work with. He literally said they have no idea what they're going to do yet. So it looks like the whole college football thing is going to end up in one big clusterfuck. I don't hate the idea of just choosing the four best conferences and putting whoever wins those conferences in the playoffs. And, I mean, for the college football committee's sake, that pins all the responsibility on the conferences. So they have to figure out how they decide their champion. All in all, it's going to be really interesting to see how the whole college football playoff seeding and what teams are allowed in, what teams aren't. It's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. So let's take a look at the slate of games for this weekend. Without the SEC, who comes back in about a week, and Big Ten, it's a little bit of a dry week. I think Navy-Tulane will be a pretty good game. I'm interested in the Boston College-Duke game. I actually really like Duke this year. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites, but I am leaning towards taking them. I'd feel pretty comfortable taking them. I like their quarterback, Chase Bryce. David Cutcliffe is one of my favorite coaches in college football. So I think that's a pretty safe bet to take Duke minus six-and-a-half. Um Clemson is playing the Citadel, so that's probably going to suck that game. But Clemson always seems to have one or two games a year against teams like this where like, they should destroy them, but they manage to have a semi-close game. I don't expect Clemson to lose or even come close, but they are 44-point favorites, so I wouldn't be overly surprised if they didn't cover because that's a huge number. Charlie Weiss is going up against 
Notre Dame for the first time this week since leaving. And other than that, though, I don't really see this being an interesting game because I think Notre Dame's going to handle USF pretty easily. The only ranked matchup this weekend is Miami versus Louisville. Miami's 17, Louisville's 18. I really like Miami in this game. I think Derek King is one of the best QBs in the nation. Um, Miami is two and a half point underdogs, but I actually like them to win outright, so I'm super comfortable taking the two and a half points. I'll talk more about this game later because this is actually one of the games in my parlay of the week. So stick around for that. The other ranked matchup we were supposed to get is BYU Army, but that got canceled due to positive tests along with Virginia and Virginia Tech, which could have been a pretty good rivalry game. The last game that caught my eye, really, is Houston-Baylor. It's a matchup of two Mike Leach disciples and Dave Aranda for Baylor and Dana Holgerson for Houston. Aranda's coming over from being the defensive coordinator for LSU and winning the national championship last year with one of the best defenses. And so I really like Baylor in this game. I think their defense is going to show up, and I think Charlie Brewer is going to have a really nice game. So Baylor minus 3.5 is a line I actually really like. And other than that, there's not too much that interests me in this slate of games. I mean, Liberty, Western Kentucky, I think actually could be a close, like, enjoyable game to watch. I really like the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I actually could bet on that one. I'm thinking about it. They're 17 and a half point favorites, but I do think they're going to kill Georgia State. So I'll actually, that one actually caught my eye just now. So I don't know. I'll get back on that one. It should be a pretty good week of college football. It's actually kind of refreshing only having a couple games that you're interested in this year because usually, I mean, there's so many games every week that you're, you are bound to miss some. But this year, you actually can watch most of the games that you want to watch. You don't miss many. Time to talk some basketball. First, let's talk about the Clippers' devastating loss to the Nuggets. This is one of the worst collapses I've ever seen. All you have to do is look at the legacies affected in this. First, Paul George. At one point in time, it seemed like Paul George was on his way to becoming a top 50 player of all time. He was battling the LeBron Heat in the playoffs and putting up huge numbers all at a really young age. Then he broke his leg at a USA basketball scrimmage. Comes back looking great again. Then he gets to the Clippers, Kawhi joins him, and now the Clippers are the heavy favorites to win the championship. Fast forward a few weeks ago, and the NBA is back after pausing due to the pandemic. And since then, Paul George has looked awful. He has been almost a liability on the court at times during big games. That Game 7 was one of the worst performances by a superstar I've ever seen. He was hitting the back of the backboard, turning the ball over. It was bad, and social media let him know it. After this playoff run and collapse, I think Paul George has a long way before he can ever be back on track to becoming a top 50 player of all time. And honestly, I don't know if he'll ever get there. Now Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has been unstoppable since he was winning championships with the Spurs. He goes to the Raptors, is there for one year, wins a championship. Then dips for LA and is ready to start a dynasty. Well, you can't go scoreless in the fourth quarter of a Game 7 after you just squandered a 3-1 lead in the semifinals, when you're trying to start a dynasty. People have been trying to put Kawhi in the same tier as like LeBron and KD these past couple years, and they've had their arguments. 
After this, I think it's hard to put Kawhi in the same breath as LeBron anymore. For him to ever be put back in that LeBron discussion, he has to win it all next year. Finally, Doc Rivers. This loss, I think, opens the door for a lot of Doc Rivers' overrated talk. For years, he's been considered one of the best coaches in the league, and maybe ever. What on his resume now says he deserves that praise, though? He wins one ring with a crazy talented Celtics team. Props for that. But then he comes to the Clippers and can barely win a playoff series, and he's now in his second iteration of the team. He can't find any success with a Lob City team that many thought were ready to make that next step, and now he can't make the conference finals with the most talented team in the league. I still think Doc Rivers is a good coach, but is he the no-wrongdoing Doc Rivers he's been portrayed as for years? I don't think so. Last night was Miami-Boston Game 2. Miami looks great, guys. Jimmy Butler is proving he is that guy, and Bam is one of the scariest players to play against. They are full of clutch players like Goran Dragic, and I really like this Miami team. But I also really like this Boston team. And Jason Tatum is one of my favorite players in the league. But I just don't know if they have what it takes to beat this Heat team who has all the momentum right now. I don't know what it is with Tatum recently, but he has not been very good in the clutch. I've seen him disappear in the fourth quarter of games way too often. After the game, there were reports that Marcus Smart gave an emotional speech, to say the least, in the locker room. Apparently, there were objects thrown and yelling from Smart. And honestly, I think this may be just what the Celtics team needs. The Heat seem to just want it more and are playing with more effort and hustle than the Celtics. These games have been so close, though, that a small adjustment by either side may be all it takes to take the series, and Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens are just the coaches to do that. Tonight is Lakers-Nuggets Game 1. There's not much I really have to say about this series other than I don't see the series getting past five games. I think the Lakers could easily sweep the Nuggets, but won't be surprised if the Nuggets get a game somewhere because they've shown a lot of heart and grit and the ability to win these big games. But I really don't think they can stand with this team. I think AD may have his best series yet, and LeBron is going to just keep doing LeBron things. Denver doesn't have anyone who can guard either AD or LeBron. My prediction for the series is Lakers in five. What a game last night. Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, it was amazing. My two main takeaways from this game were that Joe Burrow is going to be great and that the rest of the Bengals team stinks. Joe Burrow in his second game might already be the best player on that team. AJ Green did not look great. He had way too many drops. He was targeted 13 times and only had three catches. Obviously, not every throw to him was catchable, but watching, I counted about nine of them that he probably should have caught. So that's three catches on nine catchable balls. Not very good. The Bengals' defense, awful. Credit to the Browns' offense for finding a rhythm and sticking to it. But once they got into that rhythm, every play seemed like a first down. The Bengals' defense had no answer. Big question going into last night was, can Baker and Odell get on the same page finally? In the first half, it looked like that was the case. Odell was creating separation, Baker hitting him in stride. It was all going well. Then they went into halftime and seemed to forget what they were doing in the first half. Baker didn't seem to look Odell's way at all. 
And at one point, even Troy Aikman pointed out how surprised he was that Baker didn't look at Odell in the pass from like the one or two yard line, but instead looked to the other side of the field. Now, obviously, you can chalk this up to the play call, but then that brings up more questions. Why is the coach not drawing that play up for Odell? I don't know what the problem with Odell is in Cleveland because I still think he's the same guy that was arguably the best receiver in the league in New York. But they need to figure it out. Now, Browns fans are going to be happy with this win. But I don't know how happy they really should be. The Bengals are nowhere near as talented as the Browns. And only beating them by five points isn't really something to be gassed up about. Obviously, you're never going to be disappointed with a win. But if I was a Browns fan, I would not be celebrating that the team is back yet. Because that second half was concerning, to say the least. Top 10. Here are my top 10 teams going into week 2. Starting at 10, going down to 1. So at number 10, I got the Buffalo Bills. I really like what the Bills are building in Buffalo right now. I think Sean McDermott is the right guy for the job right now. I think Josh Allen's the right quarterback for for that team. They have a little more to prove before I can throw them up into the real, real elite tier. But I think they're on their way there. They're going to battle for the division this year. Devin Singletary is a really good young back. Uh, Stephon Diggs, that's a huge pickup. Their defense is amazing. I really like where this Bills team is going. I just don't think they're quite there yet. And I don't know if they're going to win the division this year, but I do think they'd be a wild card team if they do not. And number nine, I have the Titans. I really like the Titans, but I do not trust Ryan Tannehill. Even after all that amazing stuff he did last year, the crazy run. I don't trust him completely. And Derrick Henry, I kind of feel the same way about. I I think Derrick Henry's much better than Ryan Tannehill, relatively. But I don't know how long Derrick Henry is going to be like one of those top-of-the-line number one running backs. And I think that's not a good thing for the Titans, especially if they give him a lot of money. Like, it, you can't be paying Derrick Henry a ton of money because I don't think he's going to be great for that long. And he's much better than Trent Richardson, but I do think he could run into a Trent Richardson problem where he has all this hype his first couple years and then he just completely falls off. But I do like Derrick Henry. I think he's very good right now. I just The long-term factor of him I don't know about and... I don't trust Ryan Tannehill being the number one quarterback. And so I don't have much postseason trust in this team. Although I really like Mike Vrabel. I think the defense is really good. I just don't trust their key players in big situations. At number eight, I have the Rams. Rams are starting to look like the Rams that went to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Jared Goff is throwing the ball well. They have a running game. They have a plethora of receivers. They have a really good defense. I mean, the D-line is amazing. The safeties, corners, everyone's looking awesome right now. They can't. There's not much to say about this Rams team other than that they're really good. Sean McVay is proving that he is a good coach. I mean, their performance against the Cowboys was really awesome. I think they proved a lot. 
They got the new stadium. Now they got a new looking team. They got new jerseys. And they feel really fresh. They feel really good. Number seven, I have the Patriots. They're the Patriots. And I they I think they still are the Patriots. I think you have Bill Belichick. So you still have the best coach of all time. And everyone forgot who Cam fucking Newton was. He's Cam Newton. He's an MVP. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's just been hurt the past couple years. I don't know why people forgot who Cam Newton was, but they got a healthy dose of it this week. My only concern with the Patriots is that they may be getting a little overhyped for the performance they put up on the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins' defense is decent, so it doesn't concern me too much, but I wouldn't be too surprised if they don't look as good against other teams. But I do believe in them. I think they'll win the division. I think they'll beat out the Bills. And I don't know how close it's going to be because I really think the Patriots are still great. And I think if their key defensive guys didn't opt out, I think they'd be much higher on this list. And I think they'd be a Super Bowl favorite. At number six, I have the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has a hell of a chip on his shoulder right now. Aaron Rodgers is out for blood. He's out to win the division, he's out to win the NFC, he's out to win a Super Bowl, he wants that second ring, the defense looked pretty good week one, they could be better, but it's, I mean, it's a Packers defense, it's an Aaron Rodgers defense, and they don't like to give him very good ones, but the running game looked pretty good, Rodgers looked amazing, and I really, I think the Packers got it. I think Matt LaFleur is proving that he might be a top-tier coach. He's not quite there yet, but he is on his way. And I really like the Packers this year. Number five, I have the 49ers. The 49ers did not look good week one compared to what they did last year. I think the Cardinals did look very good, so it's not awful. 49ers are hit with a ton of injuries right now. George Kittle, Sherman, it's not looking good for them injury-wise. And I don't know how great Jimmy G is. I mean, Jimmy G has a pretty low ceiling. The the thing is, he has a really high floor and a low ceiling. He's not going to win you huge games. He's going to not lose you them. But when you have a good enough team around him and a good enough coach, Kyle Shanahan's amazing. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. They... They get movement on offense, and they create distractions, and they move the ball really well. And when George Kittle's in there, he's one of the best offensive weapons in the game. I think the 49ers are really good. I think they're going to compete this year, but they do not look as good as they did last year, but it's one week, obviously. It's it's week one. We're all going to be overreacting, obviously, but I think the 49ers have room for improvement, and hopefully they make it. Number four, I have the Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson is finally getting the credit he deserves, but it might not be enough. I think Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the past 10 years. He's been just unbelievable, and people keep giving the credit to his defense. And he deserves a lot more credit than he's given. I think he's going to win one or two more Super Bowls in his career, and I won't be surprised if this year is one of them, I think he could make it all the way. I think he's going to 
be in the NFC Championship, I think the Seahawks are going to surprise people who did not peg them to be one of the real top contenders at the beginning of the year. Number three, I have the Saints. Drew Brees looks fine. He's not the best Drew Brees we've ever seen, but he's not the worst. He, with the team they have around him, he doesn't need to be the best Drew Brees we, we see. Michael Thomas being hurt hurts, but he'll be back, I think. He'll be amazing. He had a tough week one, but he'll bounce back. Alvin Kamara looked better than we've ever seen him. The defense looked fast and reactive and just amazing across the board. They shut down the Buccaneers. And I do think the Buccaneers are going to be pretty good this year. Maybe not as good as everyone thought before the year started, but I think the Buccaneers are going to be okay. And the Saints really dominated them. I think Sean Payton and Drew Brees are looking for that second Super Bowl, and they might get it. Number two, I have the Ravens. I mean, they're just a machine. They're a regular season machine. They just haven't done it in the playoffs yet. I think this is the year they put it together and win a playoff game or two. I don't. Do they win the Super Bowl? I think they have a really good shot. I don't know if they win it all this year, but Lamar Jackson is the real deal. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He, John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the league. John Harbaugh should be going to the Hall of Fame when he's done because of how good of a coach he's been his career. The Ravens seem to be in the mix every single year, no matter the players. The defense looks good. They have so many running backs. The running game is just amazing. Mark Andrews is underrated and one of the best weapons in the league. He's right up there with Kittle and Kelsey for tight ends. Marquise Brown can take the top off the defense real easily. And they are a force to be reckoned with, and I don't think they're going to lose many games this year. And number one, I have the Chiefs. I mean, this is the most obvious pick, I think. The Chiefs, they have it all. They have Andy Reid, who's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Pat Mahomes is, I mean, you just watch Pat Mahomes, and he's one of the best quarterbacks you've ever seen. He's amazing. Everything he does, he makes look easy. They have Travis Kelsey, who's amazing. Tyreek Hill can take the top off the defense. They have speed everywhere. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks like the steal of the draft all of a sudden. I think the Chiefs are going to make a run at a repeat here, and I, I think they might do it. Check back Sunday for more NFL talk, where I'll be previewing every game and looking at what lines I like and dislike. It's time for the parlay of the week. So... I was originally going to do an NFL parlay, but I just saw a couple college football games I felt really interested in and that I liked the odds of. So it starts with Miami money line against Louisville. I don't believe in Louisville fully this year, and I really believe in Miami. That's pretty much what this comes down to. Derek King, I think, is just amazing. I think he's a really good college quarterback. I think he's been a really good college quarterback for a couple of years now. And now him going to Miami, I think it kind of rejuvenates that offense. Um, I just don't think Louisville will be able to contain him. So Miami money line at plus 112 is where I got it. I felt really good about that. So that's the first one. Second bet is Baylor minus three and a half against Houston. Houston, Dana Holgerson I like, but Houston just 
in general this year, I'm not huge on Baylor. I'm not huge on Baylor this year, but I do think they'll be pretty good. I think they'll have a really good defense. And Charlie Brewer is really good. I, there's no denying that. So Dave Aranda coming from LSU, I think is going to get that defense in shape. I think they're going to hold Houston to not too many points. And I think Baylor is going to come out on top by at least four points. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win by eight, nine, ten points. So that made it a pretty easy second bet here. And now the third one, I'm least confident about this one here, but I still like it. It's the Raging Cajuns, Louisiana, minus 17 and a half against Georgia State. I really like this because I don't think Georgia State's good at all. I think Louisiana's going to win by like 25, 26. I think they're going to win by easily over three scores. And Raging Cajuns looked awesome last week. And I think they're going to keep it going. And I think they might be one of the surprise teams of the year in college football. At the odds I got on FanDuel, it was plus 673. So that's 15 to win 100, pretty much. Um, I really like this parlay. I th- obviously, I think it's going to hit. Um, Miami, Baylor, I'm really confident about. I think it rides on the Raging Cajuns beating Georgia State, but I really don't believe in Georgia State at all. Yeah, that's the parlay of the week. Follow me and make some money. So thanks for listening to the first episode of Fox Sports Talk. My plan right now for a schedule is... Uploading three full-length podcasts, which you can expect to be about 20 to 30 minutes, three days a week, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then maybe a quick 10-15 minute NFL preview on Sunday mornings. So come back and listen for more if you enjoyed. Thanks again for listening and have a good day. Fox Sports.